characters on the road. Removed as a toddler from London in 1955, I lived in Clare in Suffolk until 1975 or thereabouts. My father, Tom, was a picture restorer and artist, and my mother, Muriel, taught part-time at Grenville College, Stoke by Clare, and worked as an artist. All my formative years were spent in a dream, and perhaps years after that too. At first, the village of Clare seemed huge, but grew smaller and smaller as the years rolled in. At seven or eight, I got to realise that the village had what used to be termed characters. I had a big cat, Domino. Though it spent much of the time in our barn and in the field out the back, we did feed it regularly. Mum noticed, though, it was growing fat, I mean really fat, and then it disappeared for days at a time. Domino was being fed by the two old spinster ladies who lived in a big house across the road from us. That's what my mum called them, old spinster ladies. And who knows now, or who cares whether they were gay or not. I don't know if their poaching was premeditated, but several cats enjoyed meals out at their house. I remember feeling sad. Why would Domino want to get away? At first, perhaps, our cat wanted excitement and wanted encounters we just couldn't offer. And, of course, food, more food. Unfortunately, our macho cat grew obese and was sadly run over, perhaps no longer able to sprint across the street. Our chimney sweep was Charlie, and my dad paid him to sit for a portrait in his working clothes. I remember the painting. Charlie was marked with soot of his trade, but Tom painted him as a proud man, as proud as any in the village. The painting was snapped up, and I have no idea where it is now. London? Paris? In 1960, over 20% worked on the land in West Suffolk. An old Bill, always dressed in threadbare cap, collarless shirt and tweed suit, hanging off his skinny frame, told tales of a farming life of his life in the village at the tail end of the Victorian era. Bill was in his mid-80s in the 1960s and I thought he was built of rock rather than flesh. He could remember a time in the village when only horse-drawn carts rattled along the roads. I listened in as old Bill told my dad about funerals. If you were poor... Your old cart, if you had access to a cart, hauled by a horse or by hand, carried the coffin noisily on the road to the funeral. But if you were rich, you'd line the roads of the village with straw to quieten the wheels of the hired horse-drawn hearse. My dad, particularly in the 1960s, preferred drinking in the White Hart in Chilton, for here the older farmhands and labourers gathered where Dad could absorb their stories of the countryside. Dad's main source of income was picture restoration, and when he finally stopped working every week in London and brought all the work back to Clare, 
all manner of characters turned up at our house, from picture and antique dealers to lords and ladies. I can remember walking back from school, and as I reached the brow of Snow Hill, a gleaming grey Rolls Royce was parked outside a house. Here was Lord Gort. I disappeared to another room as the voices of the upper classes were so different from the children I mixed with and their parents. Yet, I was afforded a seat in his Rolls Royce just for a moment, aware of that shiny leather upholstery, the splendour of this mighty car and its perfumes. In my childhood, it seemed much of the outside world came to us and there was no point in travelling thereby. We had our own intrigues too. As a schoolboy, among other boys, we'd walk by the house of the bearded lady. Yes, a bearded lady, like a Mona Lisa you'd draw a beard on. We were on our way to school and we'd always look out for the bearded lady. If we saw her, we'd maybe snigger a bit to ourselves, but not call out. In those days, it seemed adults could clip clip kids right round the ear, any kids, for anything. So we kept our opinions to ourselves. However, something more astounding than a bearded lady occurred. This middle-aged bearded lady was bearded no more, and she had got married. Had she taken a bus out of the village and found some exotic place and found love and a barber? What had happened? It seemed the village was a real mishmash of characters, rich and poor, with me blissfully unaware until I had to work. As a trainee reporter, I got to interview those with money. Sir John Wedgwood was one such. I was 17 and he offered me a Manhattan cocktail at 10am in the morning. His house was huge and loaded with Wedgwood treasures. I can remember all the antique bling whirring around in my mind as I left and bought a Mars bar from the co-op for my lunch. You know, the co-op on the market square run by Mr Swan. I've got to get out of this place. Now an old song crackled on the pub's old jukebox. Hitching back to Clare from Sudbury one night at midnight, a black roller drew up slowly by my side. I opened the door and a posh middle-aged man beckoned me inside. He drove very, very slowly and began to talk. Carefully at first, his problem unravelled. I am a beastly homosexual. Perhaps he wanted me to create a scene, a, a masochistically reenact an assault on him from nineteen from pre nineteen sixty seven when homosexuality was illegal. I just said, "Right ho, we're all different." I think it was the right hoe which unsettled him, as I sounded a little bit posh, despite my jeans and long hair. He began to explain that, in his position as a senior physician, he had to hide who he really was. 
I said, it doesn't matter who you are. But I could see him shaking and his face in the light from the splendid dashboard looked like a crumpled paper bag. Nearly in tears, he stopped to let me out. He wasn't going to reenact the oppression gays suffered in the 1960s, nor was I going to be his rent boy for the night. The world was changing, thankfully. I waved him goodbye, and this was the last roller I ever sat in. Hitching was an obligation for me. Sometimes in twos, but often alone, day or night, I was hitching from Colchester to Clare when my friend and I were picked up by a very elderly couple in a sunbeam, I think it was. The couple hurried us into the car with smiles and then fed us chocolate. I thought, this is bloody marvellous. Just as we were getting settled into the answering those questions, where are you going, what do you do, etc., the car suddenly stopped and we were hastily asked to leave. In the lay-by where we stopped, two girls were hitching. We watched as the girls got into the car and the warmth of the elderly couple's greetings were familiar as the chocolates were offered and the car moved away. I saw the elderly couple a few times after that. This was their weekend hobby, picking up hitchhikers, vicariously enjoying others' experiences on the road. Usually, to get out of the village, I would catch the last bus from Clare to Sudbury, but on one occasion I missed the bus and decided to hitch out of the village. After quite a while, a Renault or such screeched to a stop. A young hippie couple invited me inside. I asked, Are you going to Sudbury? They laughed. <laughs> We're going to Paris. You want to come? Paris? That really would be on the road. Sudbury will do thanks, I said pathetically. The spliffs came out. And by the time I got to Sudbury, I was floating. Well, it wasn't Woodstock. It wasn't Paris. But thankfully, it wasn't the village either. Indeed, I'd hitched into Sudbury because a crowd of us were off to Gainsborough to watch the film of Woodstock. We are stardust. We are golden. And we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. <laughs>